In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This is an exclusive audio presentation of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the gold dome. We journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution want to take a minute to thank our subscribers. Because of your support, we were able to make this podcast available to everyone. Our reporting and local journalism is because of subscriber support of our newspaper. If you are not a print or digital newspaper subscriber, join us. Go to AJC.com and sign up today. Thank you, and continue to follow our reporting in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and online at AJC.com. It is a special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast this week, The Race for City Hall. An exclusive Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll shows that former Atlanta Mayor Kasim Reed and City Council President Felicia Moore are neck and neck, and that the real leader just a few weeks before the race is undecided. Of the voters who have made up their mind, Kasim Reed had about 23.5% and Felicia Moore had about 20.4%. That three percentage point lead is within the margin of error of the poll conducted by UGA School of Public and International Affairs. Let's listen to Kasim Reed. Felt just like putting on an old comfortable sweater. And then there was a big sign that said, welcome back. That is the mayor making his, the former mayor making his comeback bid. Felicia Moore? You know, people say, bye, Felicia. But I'm telling you to say hi, Felicia, because this Felicia can't be bought. That is a memorable quote. And today we are joined by City Hall reporter Wilborn Nobles and Fulton County reporter Ben Brash to discuss all of the findings and the latest on the race for City Hall. And the latest on the race for City Hall. Guys, welcome to the show. We have a lot to talk about. Thanks for having me. Sure do. Thanks, Greg. Now, Wilbert, what was your biggest takeaway from the poll? So my biggest takeaway is just the fact that, you know, this race is still a really, really big toss-up, right? According to the poll, nearly 41% of voters are still undecided. And, I mean, you know, we're more or less uh, two months away from the uh, November 2nd. So it's it's really interesting to see what candidates are going to do going forward to try and pick up some momentum for their campaigns. Yeah, Ben, um, Kasim Reed and Felicia Moore are both well under the 50% plus one mark you need to avoid a runoff. So if neither of these candidates can really gain a lot of momentum, we could be headed towards a, a December runoff. Yeah, you know, we love to do elections here in Fulton County. No problems when we do them. Everything's always just fine. Um I mean, look, it is definitely a ball game. We're going to have a ball game in December, it looks like, uh, which is a a rarity for us. Yeah, before we get into some of the topics that sort of drove voters, let's talk about some of the other contenders for the the race. 
no one other than Kasim Reed and Felicia Moore cracked double digits. Wellborn, that, that that also, I, I figured those two would be up top. But the fact that Andre Dickens, Antonio, Sharon Gay, that they were all further behind. I mean, well, I mean, some of them a lot closer to the margin of error than I thought they'd be. Um, that tells you a lot where this race is starting to solidify. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's really interesting because, to your point, uh, it's not really. That's surprising, right? When you think about the top two in the poll, I mean, uh, former Mayor Reed and, and Council President Moore, they should be in the top two, right? Sure. You have one guy who's been uh, serving in office for eight years, not even including the fact that he was he's a former uh, state lawmaker. And then um, Moore is the sitting council president. So as far as the other folks go, Sharon Gay has been very active, literally putting her own money into her campaign. She's I think the first candidate who's had uh, two ads, uh, Reed recently put out a new ad, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of surprising to see Councilman Dickens uh, mm-hmm. in fourth, kind of statistically tied with, with Sharon Gay, but he's fourth behind her. It's a tough spot for him. He did have backing from former Mayor Shirley Franklin for his council seat, but I haven't heard any former or current officials uh, speak in his corner yet so far. But I expect, according to uh, Emory professor Michael Leo Owens, don't be surprised if we start to see more public officials and recognizable faces start to uh, vouch for, for the candidates. Yeah, you know, this is around the time we saw in the 2017 race where we started to see um, candidates come out, including at the, the, at the time, then Mayor Kasim Reed. There was a bunch of candidates in that race, too. He was supportive of two or three of them. And then you started seeing him gravitate more and more towards the winner, Keisha Lance Bottoms, as November neared. But look, this race, as we was, you guys have been covering, and as we all know, being residents of Metro Atlanta, crime has been the number one issue. It's been the topic of most candidates' ads. And our poll showed a plurality of Atlanta voters say crime is the biggest issue with 44%. That's by far the most resonant priority for voters, leading other issues like uh, affordable housing, coronavirus, and a slew of of other issues. Let's hear how the candidates are making this a part of their TV advertising. None of the others know how to run a city like Atlanta. That's why we need Kasim Reed. Safety is job number one. I trust Kasim Reed. Excited that he's running again. 750 more police officers. But we're going to train them in a post-George Floyd way. If we're going to reduce violent crime, we need Kasim Reed. And Council President Felicia Moore, she's focused on crime in her stump speeches. Atlanta is at a precipice. We know that. Crime is out of control. Yes, it is. And it's threatening every great thing that we are and every great thing that we can be. You know, Wilborn, the the former mayor, Reed, he says crime is the number one issue, the number two issue, and the number three issue in this race. Are you hearing that from the other candidates as well? Absolutely. And I I almost, (laughs) I'm hesitant to say this, uh, to go on an aside. I I definitely, when I had my first uh, sit-down interview, and hopefully the first of many, um, with former Mayor Reed, you know, in regards to just having an opportunity to talk to his uh, candidacy. The guy's really sharp. He knows what's going on. I didn't notice him begin to use the phrase post-George Floyd society until after I spit it, that phrase out toward him during our first interview. So I wonder if, he, uh, if he'll pay me for using that now that I gave him that idea to say that. But all, all jokes aside, um, yeah, you know, if you speak to uh, Council President Moore, she's going to tell you immediately, you know, we got to get... Cr- crime under control. 
and you know she's the candidate who can do it right um you know you speak to councilman dickens he's gonna he's not gonna call it a COVID crime wave as our mayor does but he will say it's a crime wave and that you know he's the guy who can make sure that it's only just a wave and that's not going to be the new norm uh you know it's all of them are basically saying the same thing in some ways mm-hmm. uh and i think that's partially why folks are still undecided because everyone says crime is the main issue which i mean frankly uh depending on where you live i, I think everyone would agree like we need to be, have a safer community however folks don't see how each candidate can differentiate themselves in regards to their approach to addressing crime. That's a really good point, Ben. I mean, the, each of the candidates have plans to tackle crime, but they kind of blend in with one another. And they all make the very valid point that no matter what they do, it will take time to reverse this. It'll take time to hire new police officers. And there's there's always been an issue training and, and, and staffing and, and kind of protecting police officers from other departments that are, that are eager to cherry pick and, and hire them away. So this is not going to be some quick fix where next January you'll suddenly see a crime reduction. Yeah, I mean, it's the perfect political talking point, to be frank, is you are trying to prove for infinity, right? That's about all the math I can do for you. But what you're trying to do is say, I'm going to make this better. And there are enough numbers to try and show it, uh, whether those numbers are accurate, whether um, they make me feel better to know that we have a 10% reduction in in homicides. You know, uh, we have trouble with math again, like we've seen through elections. We have trouble understanding what 10% mean and, and such. So it is, it is a perfect thing that has been used from election to election. Some say this is fear-mongering. I see no crime in my neighborhood. Others, you know, I live in a war zone. Whether they do or don't, it doesn't matter. It's the perception and the perception that I can be a crusader and I can fix this. I mean, that is what is so powerful and, and good and allegedly provable through crime statistics. And look, I mean, I mentioned how plurality of Atlanta voters said crime was the biggest issue. Um, but let's a deeper look into that. Nearly four in five Republicans, that's about 79%, saw crime as the biggest issue. 49% of white voters saw crime as the biggest issue. 49% of males saw crime as the biggest issue. 40% of black voters in Atlanta saw crime as the biggest issue. And nearly half of voters, 45 and older. So that's a pretty broad swath um, that cuts racial lines as well as political lines that say that, hey, you know, something needs to be done, Will, about, about, about crime. Yeah. And I, and personally speaking, you know, I, the term colorblind is always such a, a very uh, jarring phrase to me. But with that said, I mean, really, crime is colorblind in, in, in some regards. Um, everyone can get affected. You know, stray bullets don't have a uh, preference. And so it is an issue. I think it's going to be really hard for these candidates to uh, figure out how they can separate themselves from their opponents when they say, I'm going to hire 700 more cops. But this other, you know, uh, you have your opponent saying, well, I'm going to also hire a whole bunch of cops, but they're going to be smart cops. And then you have another person who says, uh, you know, we don't necessarily need more cops, but we just, you know, we need more cops all at once. We, we just need to get at the root causes of crime, Right. And so you have all these different candidates, again, who say, we're all affected by crime, and this is how I can solve that issue. 
You know, that's the perfect segue because as these candidates are trying to differentiate themselves um, and with more polls like these coming out that show that Kasim Reed is the is the nominal front runner and he certainly has high name recognition after eight years as Atlanta's former mayor, uh, there are vulnerabilities his opponents are going after. Let's let's listen to Council President Felicia Moore. I am the candidate with integrity, have been even lauded for integrity on council. We have crimes in our streets, but we don't need them in the suites of City Hall. Now, that was Felicia Moore with the not-so-subtle shot at the investigation that have surrounded former Mayor Kazim Reed's administration. Um, you know, but one of the things that I took note of in the poll, Ben, was that Atlanta voters indicated corruption was not a top priority. Only about 4% of Atlanta voters indicated that it was the most pressing issue, putting it on par with like traffic congestion. Younger voters and conservatives were a little bit more likely to list it as a priority, but overall... Uh, Georgia voters, uh, sorry, Atlanta voters did not list it as one of their most pressing priorities. Yeah, if you think the system is unjust, you're more likely to doubt the outcome of what the system gives you, right? I mean, we we saw here when looking at the total, 61% of people were less likely to vote for, for Mayor Reed in regards to his uh, ongoing investigation issues. People say things on a poll and then people say things at the polls uh, quite differently. Again, if you think the system is giving you bad outcomes, then you're less likely to trust it. Now, Wilborn, when, when voters were asked if they knew about Kasim Reed's, if they were educated about, informed about Kasim Reed's administrations, the federal corruption probe, the indictments, then about 60% of voters said that they were less likely to vote for him. So it did show a path for Felicia Moore and the other rivals if they start airing ads, if they start upping their attacks, that it could definitely be a, a bigger vulnerability for, for, for former Mayor Reed. Absolutely. Absolutely, Greg. When, when we look at all the candidates in the race so far, right, if we want to talk about the quote unquote major candidates, um, three of the uh, four major candidates outside of Reed, who's the, the fifth major candidate, right? Frankly, Sharon Gay, Councilman Dickens and Council President Moore have all attacked Reed in some capacity. They've jabbed at his uh, administration in, in regards to the federal probe that netted several corruption charges against folks in his administration. So, yeah, they've been, I would argue, perhaps since day one or I guess <laughs> a week or month one when uh, uh, Mayor Reed jumped into the race, everyone started to say, well, don't vote for this guy because look at what happened in his previous administration. So, yeah, and they're going to keep doing that for sure. Now, the poll is just one of the the huge topics you guys are covering this week. In Tuesday's AJC Dead Tree edition, the print edition, we have an exclusive that, that Ben Brash and the other City Hall reporter, J.D. Capaluda, who's somewhere in, in Germany right now, uh, that they wrote together about Buckhead Cityhood. Uh, and it's a huge topic because it's going to come up not just in the city of Atlanta, but it'll come up, we think, in the legislature perhaps as soon as the special session that will be in November, but more likely it'll become an issue in, in the general session in January. And, and Ben, you broke the story. Tell us about the study. Yes. Not only did I write the story, I uh, continue to be jealous of JD's travels and hope he oh, gets back that? here safe so I can uh, we can get him back to work uh, covering <laughs> the city for all of us. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the, the study is fascinating. It's 48 pages in total, um, you know, 2025, of which are really going to focus on the, the meat of the report. Uh, almost strikingly, the most notable thing about the report is what is not in it, 
which is how this is going to affect Atlanta's budget and how um, Atlanta is going to react to a possible cityhood creation on the part of Buckhead City. Uh, Wilborn, our, 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 the AJC poll goes into depth about that. It shows that most Atlantans oppose the movement to carve out the new city of Buckhead. About 58% of voters say they're against the secession, uh, and 44% say they're strongly opposed. That's uh, you know in contrast to about 29% who support it, including 15% strong supporters. But more than half of the city's Republican voters back the idea, while Democrats are overwhelmingly against. This is as politically divisive issue as you get in the city of Atlanta. Absolutely, Greg. And it's understandable in the sense that we're still in a pandemic, right? This is year two of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about it, uh, the public messaging so far uh, has been that, you know, we're all in this together. We need to stick together if we want to defeat the evil Rona. And so you have a group of folks who are saying, eh, we want to be our own city. (laughs) So it does make sense in that regard that some people would be upset. But also beyond that, um, you still have people who think or or who will say more more directly, Buckhead is it's bringing in taxes for the the city. And and so for you to just try to like separate like that is, is kind of weird. But to the folks who support uh, cityhood, they believe, some of them believe Atlanta is not doing as good a job as they could in addressing crime. And maybe uh, if our community became its own city, we could have our own police force. Maybe they could do something better. And Ben, this is becoming a hot topic in state politics as well. Um, I talked to the governor last night. He said he's not taking a stand on this quite yet, but he's very intrigued and he says it's another reason why uh, he wants to support more crackdowns on crime and his, his sort of ongoing feud with, with Mayor Bottoms over how she's handling the crime issue. Um, but look, you've got a lot of Republican lawmakers who don't live in the city who support this. And you've got a lot of Democratic lawmakers who do represent the city and, and, and parts of Fulton County who are saying adamantly, no, <laughs> we, we don't want this at all. Yeah, I mean, these are the classic divides that um, I know, Greg, you think about every day, right? Folks um, trying to tell uh, city leaders how to run their city, city leaders trying to tell folks, you know, down south and um, to the east and west and up north, you know, telling them how to run their communities that, you know, certainly are not metro areas. Um, but crime is the uh, the acorn of, of this. It is because it is so motivating, Yes, affordable housing is an issue in not only this situation, but also in the mayor's race, um, at, you know, equity, all, all these things. Um, but it comes back to crime because affordable housing doesn't roar down your street, right, on two or four wheels um, without a helmet on, right, uh, at two in the morning. And so that is what has people, um, that has people really concerned. And yes, the, the taxes, um, you know, Certainly, Buckhead accounts for 20% of the city's population, city of Atlanta, but about 40% of its assessed property values. That's huge. You know, when brought forth to that information, the pro-cityhood folks say, yeah, but it's only, you know, say 10% of the city's total budget. They'll be fine. They'll deal, you know, taking shots at them like, oh, finally, they're going to have to budget, you know, like I do at my household. It's different, you know, when you're talking about groceries versus a public works department. But that's how folks feel. They'll be fine. You know, this was striking to me because... Uh, on Monday, Agriculture Commissioner Gary Black called the press conference just outside the Buckhead shopping plaza where there was a fatal shooting a few days earlier with, when a suspected carjacking got broken up. Um, 
And he endorsed the cityhood movement and called for a referendum, called for lawmakers to pass the referendum that would pave the way for the cityhood, uh, the city of Buckhead. And to me, as a longtime reporter covering state politics, where I've watched governors try to steer clear of really divisive debates about whether or not this this community or that community should carve out its own own city to watch a candidate, not even for governor, right? The governor at least has a say in this because he'd, he'd have to support the legislation, but a candidate for U.S. Senate, a federal candidate who has nothing to do with this debate, to watch to watch Gary Black uh, take the step astounded me, and I asked him about it. I think it's a leadership issue, Greg. Uh, who's going to have a spine to stand up for the folks that are, uh, that are protecting you and I? Who's going to come along the side to make sure that these citizens know that they have someone that will will make this an issue, hopefully would bring some heads together to have a decision that will be beneficial for our community. But I guess it, it, it impacts me when a seven-year-old in Buckhead to ask her daddy, has the bad man stopped? Well, you can see that this has become a very poignant, polarizing issue for Republicans. They're holding state hearings. They're talking about crime on the campaign trail. So just like it's the number one issue in the city of Atlanta, it is going to be a very major issue in 2020 politics here in Georgia as well. Yes, this is a a highly political issue that really does involve the livelihoods of of many people. And again, back to our poll, uh, more than half of the city's Republican voters support cityhood. Overwhelmingly high number of Democrats are against it. So this is not going to go away after the 61st mayor is inaugurated. We know this. We know that folks are pushing strongly to put this on the uh, 2022 ballot. So we'll see if the referendum happens. I wouldn't be surprised if people will end up voting, have, have the option to vote uh, for whether or not they want cityhood next year. And before we jet for the week, um, Ben and Wilborn, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you your biggest surprises from the poll. Ben, you first. Not a surprise, really just um, solidifies so much what I've been hearing. I, I do have Buckhead on the brain after working on that story with JD. Um, regardless of how you feel about Buckhead becoming an independent city, what do you think is the motivation? 33% crime, not a surprise. 21% race, definitely caught my eye. We're in the city of Atlanta for now, Buckhead is. And to see 21% think it's about race is certainly notable and says a lot about you know who we are and where all of our heads are at these days. Uh, so I'm going to put our current mayor on the spot. <laughs> I was super surprised to see yeah. that uh, a whole bunch of people, about 57% of voters have a positive view of uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bobbs. They think she's great. Uh, why wouldn't they? She is a great person. Her story is uh, fantastic. And yet a majority of voters still think the city is headed down the wrong track. So it's kind of a, 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 I don't want to use a Charles Dickens quote, but it is kind of like a tale of two cities, right? Where you have these folks who, who love Keisha, uh, Mayor, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, but they don't necessarily love the way the city has handled things. Maybe that doesn't say a lot about her. Maybe that just speaks about all the folks who are involved in city hall and maybe the residents want to see some changes in the way the city is managed. And I'll add on that from my surprise. Yeah. Um, not, was not shocked that a majority of voters said that the city was headed down the wrong track. Um, 60% said there was issues with traffic congestion. 56% were critical of affordable housing. 70% said the city was on the wrong track when it ter- comes to crime. But I was surprised that the one bright spot involved the city's handling of the pandemic 
about half, 51% of residents said the city was moving in the right direction compared to about one third of voters who said it wasn't when it came to handling the coronavirus. So we'll leave you on that somewhat positive note. Atlanta voters, Atlanta residents are are optimistic about the pandemic and the, the city's handling of it going forward. Thank you so much to Wilborn Nobles and Ben Brash for joining us for this week's edition of Politically Georgia Podcast. You can read all their stuff. They'll have about 12 more stories out about the, about the AJC poll over the next couple of weeks. And I think there'll be a big uh, weekend story coming that they're going to probably jump off this call right now and start working on. Oh, you know what I should also plug? What's your, what's the blog called? What's the newsletter? It's the um, City the Hall. The Race for City Hall. Yeah. Please uh, sign up. We are giving you all the good details, uh, all the things we can confirm. <laughs> so it is the Race for City Hall. It is a weekly newsletter slash blog slash story that also runs in print. So it's all sorts of, it's all formats, folks. And it keeps you up to date on every development big and small in the mayor's race, which is only going to heat up from here on out. Thanks, Thank guys. for the plug. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.